five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. That's the Wisconsin Direct Marketing Association. And uh, we fight for direct mail and direct marketing every day. And um, I updated my LinkedIn profile just a tiny bit. And there's a link underneath my uh, initial description and contact information. If you go over to my profile on LinkedIn. And it says, book a time to talk or something like that. Book a convenient time to talk. Um, and that is so that you can find me. And if you just click that button, it gives you available times. It's just 15 minutes, but it's the start, you know. And we get to know each other. And I'd be happy to talk to you about how you can apply direct marketing to any media you're, you're, you're working in, right? Works on social, works on... Uh, it works on stone tablets. Works on outdoor. It's just there's ways to do it, and you have to know the ways. And it's quite a diverse discipline. So, uh, so look on my profile and click the link, and let's book a time to talk. And off we go. Ready, set, go. Let's see what we got here. Whoops, we're skipping to the beginning. We got to go back to the beginning. Okay, this is from Belvedere, which is a, which is an, I don't know what, Polish rye vodka. <laughs> Presents Miami Baby. And these guys drive up in a pink car with black <laughs> trim. So what can I get These guys are NBA basketball Bellevue players. Belvi. They want some Belvi. Miami edition, by the way. So Miami edition. Eyes are glowing, and all of a sudden, all kinds of crazy breaks. What the? When they take Miami, a sip baby. of it, it's Miami, baby, and that's it. That's all you get. So anyway, <laughs> as usual, commercials are kind of weird. But you know, if you're into vodka, I'm not particularly into vodka. But that's the ad of the day from Audrey Kemp at uh, at the Drum, which is you know an I love that they call attention to the more unusual cartoon or cartoons commercials. <laughs> and there's a lot about Budweiser that sales are down 20% or something uh, year over year. So they're really getting hit by this. And it's kind of a it's kind of a microcosm of the cultural conversation that's going on. You know, is it okay? Is every lifestyle equally valid? Is every is every um, it's every approach to language. Can we change any word we want and make it mean whatever we want? Uh, or are there some principles that, that, that are only violated with consequence, right? I mean, you, you, can, you can change the definition of gra gravity, but if you jump off a building, it will still grab you. Uh, so anyway, this is uh, Polish rye vodka, right? And, and they were the same people that put out this... <clears throat> dancing, um, dancing Daniel Craig video a couple of, <laughs> a couple of months ago, last November. And, uh, you know, he was dancing and then at the end of the commercials, like, oh, I'm glad I'm done with that. And then he grabs a vodka and it's this one. And that was their commercial. And so, uh, and so there's a lot of details on this one and, uh, a lot of people I don't really know. But I thought it was colorful and pink, and you would enjoy it. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's go on. Plant-based foods. Why brands are receding from the plant-based food opportunity. The plant-based food opportunity. And basically, this article be, could be summed up in in uh, two words. Costs more. Consumers, there's some extensive testing done. Nutterly closed its doors, apparently, or pulled its product from the shelf. Some of it was coconut, hazel, and almond. And, uh, you know, in the article, they make the case that these are so much better for the environment. But I know for a fact that almond trees aren't, the, aren't necessarily the best for the environment. And there's not much nutrition in almonds, as it happens. Um, but I do like coconut sometimes. I just love coconut. Yeah. Anyway, um, so as I said, there's extensive research and they're asking 50 people questions over WhatsApp several times a month. That doesn't seem that extensive to me, but at least they're at least they establish a bench line and look for trends, which I think is better than most where they change the questions all the time. It's not real testing. And people are likely to invest in people in things they need. That's one point. And although they want to be planet conscious, they ultimately prioritize what they could get cheaper. <laughs> and but it always fascinates me that somehow a cow can go out in the field and eat grass. You can't eat grass. You don't have four stomachs. The the cow is an efficient processing plant, and pumps out gallons of milk every day and somehow they don't like that i don't understand that it's all natural sustainable and the ruminants restore the soil it's one of the reasons that they've been shrinking the sahara was that they found out that if they could put you know whatever was 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 growing there whatever plants they could get to grow the plants don't exactly restore the soil but if they can get ruminants onto the soil then they convert the plant into nitrogen, you know, urine and and caca, and it actually builds the soil. Most of the places where they where they raise cattle and and dairy and sheep are marginal areas, probably not very sustainable for crops. So it doesn't really help the planet as much as they say. And if you want, give me a call. We'll talk. And I'll get you some background information on that. But, you know, for some reason, shortcutting the process and just starting with a plant. You know, the cows take the plants and turn it into milk. But they just take the plant and turn it into milk without the cow. So they've skipped a step. But somehow that's more expensive, probably because we're not as good at it. Okay. This one's from Matthew Parker. Why you should post less on LinkedIn. Post less. I certainly should post less on LinkedIn. <laughs> I was listening to, uh, I better get this right. Now, where's a, where's a LinkedIn window so I can see who's writing me? Okay. But anyway, John, oops. Let's get John. I got to reload it because it's not showing me the latest messages from this morning. But I, I, Brian, Brian, uh, Brian Kurtz and I go back decades, decades and decades, probably to the 80s, when he was running Boardroom Reports and we built a company. We built a B2B catalog on 
boardroom reports and Myron manufacturing lists pretty much. And um, so David Foley got me invited to present on RFM next week. You have to be a member. It's all closed and it's fairly expensive, I have to say. And so I asked him if they could send me a sample program and they sent me one with John Keel. And John has had an amazing career doing all kinds of things. And, uh, and I listened to John's talk and I learned a lot about LinkedIn. Uh, he said in the, in the pandemic, he, he had, he lost about a million dollars gross revenue business in consulting, um, and speaking, uh, during the pandemic and he had to pivot. And so he went and really did a deep dive on LinkedIn and, uh, and so I'm not going to show you his stuff because it's, you know, like I said, it's private. You got to pay for that. But I wrote him and I looked up my stats. Let me see what my stats are because I sent them to him. And uh, here we are. I said, I said, I've got 13,000 first level uh, connections. I've got 1.78 million second level connections. I've got 893 million third level connections, which is just about the entire LinkedIn community. I think it's 900 million. So I'm missing 7 million somehow. I don't know how I missed that. In the past year, I've gotten 109,000 impressions, but just 2,000 engagements. And so, uh, I posted, well, live streams, 1,200 live streams in the past four years, right? We all know we do this every day, and we put them on, on uh, Spotify, and we put them on Apple Podcasts and Google. So I do a, a lot of posting. And uh, so he was recommending, he was talking about the LinkedIn algorithm, which people have studied extensively. The LinkedIn algorithm is a formula that LinkedIn uses to decide which posts appear in your feed, or more, or more precisely, which of my posts appear in your feed. So I had a post two weeks ago about Bud Light, and it's just about to 7,000, which is, I think, my best post ever. And it keeps going up. And John was saying that you could get in a cycle and get going like that. And it will just keep going. And he, he, he recommended on the LinkedIn algorithm that you want to get 15 likes, 15 comments, and 15 shares in the first two hours. So if you're out there listening, I don't know what we've got for listeners. There's, I think there's a way, but I never quite get it to work. Um, you know, I have to look at LinkedIn. Anyway, so I don't really see them right now. But... So if you're out there, give it a like, even if you don't like it. And it makes you mad. Maybe it makes you think. You know, there's a lot of reasons to give likes. There, there are, you know, you can, there's a thumbs up. There's a couple of other things you can do to it. And if you really like it, a reshare is worth about 20 times more than a link, than a like in the LinkedIn algorithm. I think my allergies are kicking in. Okay, until recently, the, the algorithm always favored the latest posts. This is from Matthew Parker, but it, it's, I think, consistent with what John was saying. Um, 
And it was important to post regularly to stay visible. Wait, I'm going to type John and say I'm talking about you right now. That's John Keel, and he's very, very good about getting back to you and such. Um, so it was important to post regularly to stay visible. Now that's changing. Now they're saying your LinkedIn content is promoted for longer. You know, what they're trying to find is they're trying to find the good stuff and distribute that more. The rich get richer, as they say. I may never get to that threshold. <laughs> I do this mostly for fun and mostly to try and help you understand why mail and direct marketing are the most powerful ways that you can do marketing. Now, I'm not against digital. I'm not against social. I'm not against mass media. But there are things that mail can teach you. And if you've heard my love sack case study, you know that we, we leverage what we learn from mail out into the rest of the marketing. And a seven or a 50,000 a $50 million company grew to $100 million in just three years. A retailer that had only really grown by adding stores. And they didn't add any stores. And they went public. It's a very, very good case study. And um, I think if you go on YouTube, you can find it. But I'll try to put a link in down below and show you where that is, the, 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 the Lovesack case study. It's from a couple of years ago, but not that long ago. Okay, so make sure your posts stand out. Tag relevant people, I always try to. Add relevant hashtags, sometimes I do, not every time. Uh, and one other simple strategy, um, which I think he's going to show in, <laughs> look out for my article in a couple of weeks. He's got you now. Okay, so we'll go on. Okay, and finally I wanted to, I wanted to post uh, one from Craig Huey, questions. Do they work? I like that headline. He doesn't always apply his his insights into his headline but he did today and i love that he starts out with testing is copy is crucial what you assume will generate the highest response is not always the case i tested hundreds of headlines in search of the highest return okay and i have to say a good place to start if you got lots of headlines is on social media right you can a b test on a lot of platforms and it's very 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 fast now since you're not necessarily selling, you might just be you might just be counting likes or impressions or other things or you know visits to your website. It doesn't always tell you the truth about who will buy. You know, generating the most leads doesn't mean you generate the most orders. Sometimes generating the most leads if the conversion, if it's misleading or if it's too rewarding, the lead generation in itself, then you will get people engaging with the lead generation with no intention of buying whatsoever. You have to be a little careful about that. And because digital and, and social are difficult to do attribution, because if people go to the website and then they get a cookie and then you mail them two months later, It'll be attributed to that social. There's a lot of loopholes in attribution. The social media companies, the Google Analytics, want you to think that the only effective media is Google. <laughs> so anyway, all that aside, it's but you can test fast. Okay, you can test fast but bad. But um, there are better ways to test, and that's what you know. If you want to 
if you want to talk about your marketing, uh, you can just look at my LinkedIn profile and right before contact info, there's a button that says schedule a convenient time for you. Okay, so here's a test, the test. Two Magalog covers targeting men and women age 60 and older. That's me. Uh, and covers prevention methods for arthritis, back pain, strokes, and heart attacks. The pictures were recognizable Hollywood personalities, and I'm assuming the pictures were the same in both covers. But cover A, which really should read headline A, do you have any of the illnesses that these stars had? You know, and I was envisioning one star, and you couldn't have all those illnesses. But if there were multiple stars, maybe you could. Maybe they could. Or maybe they never tell you. Sometimes I click on things like that. Uh, and headline B, discover the amazing health secrets of today's over 60 Hollywood stars. Now, I like that one because I always like amazing and secrets. Um, and discover is a great word. I've talked about that in the past instead of learn. But so I guess B. I don't know what you guessed. But cover A won by 39%, which is a lot. Okay, that's the highest response. Now, whether that's orders, a lot of times people count just clicks as response. I can't say in this case. Um, so, so he says, this is unusual because typically questions within the headline do not perform well. Well, he's both, they're both questions, aren't they? No, this one is discover. And this one is a question. But I think, uh, I think, and I'm, you know, the question is, if this is just response, did the conversion match? Because this one is about health secrets, right? This is about getting yourself fixed up, which may drive more orders to your solution, which I'm assuming is a subscription. Um, whereas this one may be because you had a crush on Annette Funicello when you were eight years old and she's pictured. That kind of stuff always gets me. Uh, do you understand the issue here? Okay, so this article isn't entirely clear, and this is some of the art of direct marketing. And so you can ask me questions like that, and I'll answer you right on the button. So cover A was the winner, but the question was very powerful and created a great deal of curiosity. But as I said, it's not necessarily curiosity about your solution. It's curiosity about the Hollywood stars and what illnesses they might have and not whether they got them fixed. So, as usual, <laughs> you know, whenever I look at tests, I always think, well, what about this? And that is the, that's the art of direct marketing. When, whenever you get good results, a good answer will generate two more good questions, right? And my rabbi used to say, the questions of a wise man are half the answer. So anyway, have a great weekend. Like and share. Like, share, and comment in the next two hours. And have a great day. Bye-bye.